0: A mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Wiley, the Hacker Maker. In each episode, I have a unique guest sharing their story on how they got started in cybersecurity, as well as sharing knowledge, tips, and tricks for you to get started in the industry, as well as advancing your career. And today, I'm very excited to have my guest, Mark Sanchez, on the show. Mark is a friend, a former mentee, and a... Uh, He's also, like myself, a, a powerlifter. So it was pretty interesting when he became my mentee to have someone that was interested in more than one topic. So thanks and welcome to the show, Mark.
2: Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It's an absolute honor.
1: Yeah, it's good to have you here. It's really been cool to see uh, how your careers progressed. And I remember while I was still mentoring you, you were already mentoring other people. So
0: uh, yeah, you're,
1: you're, you're a good example for people to, to follow. And, you know, we will probably discuss some mentoring here today during this episode, because before uh, we started, you had some really good points that I wanted to touch on. So why don't you start by uh, introducing yourself and kind of telling us about your background?
2: Yeah, for sure. So I'm Mark Sanchez, Uh, happy to be here. Um, I met Philip back in what, 2018, I think. Um, I had just gotten out of the Army. Uh, I had served in the Army as an infantryman. Throughout my time as an infantryman, I was a radio operator, I was a machine gunner, and I was a team leader. Um, So pretty much, depending on how you translate your resume, um, I was not really a cyber IT or even security kind of person at all. Um, But it was always one of those things that interested me. So back when I was a kid, it was one of those things where I was always interested in computer science. Um, I didn't really know how I was going to get into a uh, bachelor's program uh, as a kid. So one of my options or one of my solutions, I guess, was joining the military. Uh, It was a very, very beneficial program for me. Um, I did three years. I had a great time. Um, It was, I've met incredible people. Um, And yeah, zero regrets. Um, After or my last year in my service contract, um, I decided to go back and pursue what I wanted to, which was uh, computer science slash cybersecurity. Um, so when I got out, um, I signed up for a program, which at the time was called Secure Set Academy. Uh, right now, uh, they got acquired by a program that's pretty widely known that I, I, I'm i sure you might even know about it, too. Um, they got bought by uh, Flatiron Schools. Um, so it's basically a cybersecurity boot camp. I was there for about six months uh, it was everything from, like, network security, system security, compliance, things like GRC, um, digital forensics and incident response, uh, all kinds of things. It was basically a fire hose for, um, for six months. Um, and then, yeah, uh, from there, I can kind of – do we want to go into, like, detail about everything or we just kind of give it, like,
1: a quick overview? Sure, you can go into d- in as much detail as you like. Sure. Um,
2: so cool. So after I graduated, I started looking for work, um, and Philip was also my mentor at the time. Um, I had security plus and a U.S. Department of Defense secret uh, security clearance, Uh, and that alone, and as I mean, as well as like networking, I guess, landed my first job opportunity, uh, where I contracted at Raytheon. Uh, from there, I was working on GPS satellites, working as a test engineer, uh, basically writing tests in Python or writing manual tests. Um, overall, the, the role was basically like quality assurance is the best way to kind of put it. Um, I did that for about a year and then I transitioned over and I worked for the U.S. Space Force Um, From there, I was working as a developer where I created cybersecurity tools for cybersecurity operators within the Space Force to use uh, to defend our nation's satellites from adversaries. Um, From there, I migrated to a different U.S. Space Force program where I was helping um, with compliance and risk management for um, cybersecurity controls uh, as we migrated um, our space assets to a cloud infrastructure um, so after that i was at, i was on that i was on those programs for about a year and a half and then um, i left the department of Defense and i currently work at shipped which is a company owned by target and i'm working as a senior application security engineer
1: very cool. That's interesting. I didn't realize that Shipt was part of Target, so that's kind of cool to know.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think it's kind of smart to do separate branding because you take like Walmart, that they do all that, and it's yeah. part of the same thing. I do think it's kind of I don't know. I think branding things that way works better, in my opinion. I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. So we're Shipt's a subsidiary of Target, and they, I think they were acquired back in like two thousand. 18 i think i'm not sure i started back in um, january so
1: the history is still something i'm learning (laughs) cool so how's that job going for you
2: it's great honestly um one of the big things that i've been able to do is um take or like pick and 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 honestly own my own work um because actually i know everyone who watches this knows philip as the um as the uh, bug bounty master. So um, one of the big things that's inspired me coming onto SHIFT is standing up our bug bounty program. Uh, so I had the fortunate opportunity to lead our, um, <laughs> not our bug crowd, our HackerOne bug bounty program, um, as well as our vulner- our internal vulnerability disclosure program. So some, those are some of the big things that I've been working on uh, at SHIFT.
1: So, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Any, anyone I've known that's managed bug bounty programs have learned a lot of cool tricks from just reviewing those sub- bug submissions. Yeah.
2: No. I've in in the six months alone from working at Shift and running the bug bounty program, it's it's been a lot of learning and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, if you guys ever participate in our bug bounty program, if you get a response from Little Root, that is myself. Um, <laughs>
1: <yeah>. <laughs> that's that's um, kind of a funny handle because for those, this is audio only, but he's not a little guy. <laughs> 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 so yeah, it's pretty cool. So what? All, so do you? You know, you're, I guess you are kind of an AppSec role. What all do you do there besides manage the bug bounty program?
2: So yeah, so coming in, my big focus was the bug bounty program. Um, but my major responsibilities is kind of revamping the team um, because we're mo- um, mobile and web. We haven't really had like an application security department. Uh, so one of the big things that I've been kind of responsible for is solutions, uh, is basically finding solutions for like uh, our CI/CD pipeline. Um, and so how we integrate security into DevOps essentially. So whether it's um, finding solutions for dast finding solutions for sast maybe finding ways to conduct pen testing on our applications stuff like that so um, we can talk about all of the you know typical appsec or devsecops kind of concepts one of the big things that i'm trying to promote and um I think it's a big thing that a lot of security engineers should be focusing on. Is we're lacking a lot of foundational concepts like policy writing, standards, guidelines. You know, holding developers to specific standards uh, and having that all documented. I think, uh, and this is my personal opinion. You guys can, you know, be against it or not, but um, I think tech writing is extremely important to take advantage of as an engineer.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I've been in several companies where, you know, we're starting up a pen test team and you didn't have any of that documentation in place. So, you know, sometimes people that might be in the class in college that people didn't pay attention to. But those those writing skills are, are, are important.
2: Yeah, I say it all the time at my job. You know, it's not it's not sexy cybersecurity. It's not hacking or anything like that. But it's one of those things that, you know, at the end of the day also kind of protects you. Um, if there's no documentation in place, if there's nothing that kind of. If there's nothing set to be your left or right limit, who's to say that you don't look like an internal threat when you are conducting cybersecurity activities? You know what I mean? So it's one of those things that it also kind of protects you as a security engineer.
1: Yeah, I think the application security roles are, are really great because a big portion of my career starting out in security was was application security, and that's what got me interested in, in pen testing. You know, pen testing is a part of the application security world, but there's so much more to it that people don't really realize unless they, unless they get to work in that or they've worked in development or something.
2: Right. No, I agree. Definitely. And one of the big things that I've been finding <clears throat> as we've been interviewing and hiring candidates to fill out this team, excuse me, is, is that um, a lot of, a lot of people get so focused on wanting to be pen testers they don't learn the blue team side of things. Everybody wants to learn, you know, Burp Suite. They wanna understand every single tool that's available in Kali Linux. But the problem is is they don't know what to do after they find the exploit or the vulnerability. You know what I mean? They don't know how to patch these things. They don't know how to communicate with developers. Um, And that's one of the big things that we, that I've seen lacking in hiring at least, um, is that everybody wants to be red team, but nobody ever really has purple team kind of experience if that kind of makes sense
1: yeah one of the things that i you know stress to people too when you're starting your career is check out all areas of security because that's you know you may find something that's a lot more interesting to you than than pen testing because when you get into pen testing you have to write those reports and some of the hours you have to work it's not always so much fun but you know you look at stuff like thread hunting that's pretty interesting stuff there i mean you know it's not the you know, pen testing is not the only cool thing you can do. And uh, I've seen people that were pen testers that got frustrated because their customers weren't remediating the findings and they end up going into digital forensics because if you're investigating a breach, people are going to fix things. You know, they're going to try to recover from that breach. So there was, he saw his work not going to waste. So, Yeah.
2: yeah, I think that's the cool thing about application security too, that I've at least, that I've at least seen in my work is that, I get to actually also be a part of the end result. I get to see it.
1: Very cool. And so just, just kind of, you know, you mentioned coming out of the military. Do you feel like your experience in the military has helped you in your professional life?
2: Yeah. I think one of the big things that translating from coming as a veteran to the civilian industry, or just, I mean, I don't even articulate it the public sector per per se, um, is one I think the big thing that you know you can't really teach in a in a traditional bachelor's program is communication skills. I think one of the big things that um, the military has really taught me is um, how do I even articulate like communication, like confidence, really um, being able to talk to my director and being like, hey, this is totally screwed up. Or being able to tell my CISO, like, hey, we need this or we're, we're not going to make any progress on this, you know? Being the person that can be the voice uh, of the team is kind of what has been my strong suit, right? Because, like, so say, for example, um, my my current managers um, still kind of getting comfortable with, like, agile, right? It's kind of a term that everybody's throwing out there and trying to get a hands of. And I think, one – my confidence and knowledge in that aspect but also too the way that i want to articulate things to people and have that understanding you know understanding their body language understanding their tone being able to communicate with people uh is such an important trait that one i think i picked up in the military um is one of those things that kind of help move you along in your career i think that's one of the biggest things that i've been able to take away is being able to communicate with others
1: I would think one of the things too, it seems like, you know, you're directly having to deal with leadership, whereas a lot of people, their experience was academic, you know, K through 12. And if they go to college, you know, it's kind of different dealing with the people they were dealing with opposed to, you know, dealing with a a strict, rigid, uh, you know, leadership hierarchy like you'd run into in the military.
2: Right. No, definitely. Right. Like, I mean, it's not, Right, working at target or ship, like it's not life threatening, people aren't going to die, but at the same time you have to have that confidence and that 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 swag to be able to be like, hey, I am like you understand and respect that there's a role difference here, but not every time when you get to the level of being a CISO, you're gonna understand every little technical detail of G C P or AWS or what this DAS tool does. I mean, things change every time you wake up. So being able to articulate those concepts in in a confident, but also in a professional way um, when you can conform to others. I think that's one of the big things that uh, communication has helped me transitioning from uh, being a confident team leader in the military to being an engineer uh, for e-commerce retail company.
1: Very cool. I of a good friend of mine's son just graduated from the Marines a while back. And when he went in, he just kind of, he just kind of had a problem with authority and stuff. And then now, since he's been through that, his level of respect and just his work ethic and everything has just turned around. So it's Yeah,
2: a- you understand. It's a, it's a common ground. Sometimes people have more experience than you. Sometimes people know more than you, and, it, and it's okay. Um, but being able to work as a team is one of the big things that I think a lot of people need to understand is that you don't have to do everything alone. You don't have to develop this alone you can work as a team ask for help asking for help is, i think one of the hardest things a lot of engineers struggle with is asking for help <laughs> you know so I, I think that's one of the big things and i mean it shows in mentorship we were talking about it earlier where sometimes people just struggle asking for help
1: yeah and so yeah since we, we kind of mentioned the the mentorship i mean i think the conversation we was having there is definitely worth uh, kind of mentioning on on this episode, because, you know, a lot of times people experience mentorship from having a mentor, but your unique uh, perspective is, and especially for the amount of time you've been in the industry. I mean, you were, you were mentoring people when we first met, I mean, you're right off the bat here. My mentee is mentoring people. So (laughs) yeah, if you want to discuss that, just kind of share some of your experiences with mentoring
2: yeah, I think of it kind of like as like a waterfall, right? Like as soon as you kind of get that that feedback, kind of get that information, I want to act as like a relay almost and kind of spread the wealth. I'm very for, you know, um, what's that saying? I grew up in Los Angeles, so we used to say stuff like this all the time, like people that starved with you should eat at the same table as you. Um, I'm, I'm very for that concept. And one of those things is like, yeah, as soon as we got on a call, I, I mean, i Shoot, even the first meeting we met, or the first time we met, it was like, yeah, I used to wrestle bears, or I've wrestled a bear. Well, I got off, and I was like, hey, my mentor wrestled a bear, but obviously, that's not necessarily mentorship. But it's like I want to be that voice to others that you know maybe they're lacking information or communication means. uh, I want to help relay that information. So, like for for what you're talking about with mentorship, I mean, yeah, I didn't have the keys to the kingdom on how to be. You know, the most successful cybersecurity engineer in the world. Um, but what I did have was, you know, the ability to help others. And I'm like, hey, you know what? My resume is getting me interviews. Your resume is not. Well, let's look at your resume together. Let's sit down. Maybe there's some words you used in there that maybe isn't really catching people's eyes. Um, Maybe you genuinely do have skills that translate to some of these roles. You're just not articulating it properly. Um, And then, you know, maybe you're not highlighting things. I had one uh, mentee or protege that I was working with, and he had, like, all of his certs. And he had, like, and by the way, he had, like, a CASP like a CISSP and all this other stuff, he was struggling to find interviews. And I looked at his resume, his CISSP was at the very bottom. and It was four pages. So it's one of those things where you don't need to understand everything about, you know, network topologies, or you don't need to understand all these super high level technical details but just, you know, understanding, hey, these are what people are looking for. And that's kind of where I was at when we first met. You know, I didn't know everything about IT. I didn't know everything about cybersecurity. But one thing that I was doing well on was networking with people and also my resume. I mean, uh, people are so easy to go to like, hey, networking is very important. Well, also, too, like shooting blind resumes is something a lot of people do. I mean, I did it. I think for my first job, I'd probably applied to, I know a lot of people exaggerate this number, but to be honest with you, I, I probably applied to about three to 500 positions. Um, and I was even willing to relocate at the time too, because I was getting kind of desperate. Um, and so I think what's one of the big things uh, in mentorship is, you know, it kind of goes back to my piece on communication earlier, where, you know, sometimes people just aren't, confident they don't want to go to things like meetups or social networking events or maybe even job career fairs and being a mentor is not just offering advice but also being their shoulder you know what i mean i know we were talking about that earlier but it's also being their shoulder and that means like hey i understand you're kind of struggling to find some work well hey there's this career fair coming up like maybe we can go together you know it's it's that motivation that that external entity that, you know, pushes them outside of their comfort zone. Maybe they're not good at interviewings. Well, sit there, think about common interview questions that you get asked if you're doing a lot of interviews and ask that person that thing. These are just like small little things that, um, you know, they're not graded, but at the same time, they can help build other people's confidence and it can also just give them some experience.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things, too, is for a mentor, too, to be to be important, to be, you know, something you need to prioritize, too, is being patient with the person you're mentoring. Absolutely. Because I've had people before that were asking me a lot of questions, and I would send them their information. And one day they came back and said, yeah, thank you for not telling me to Google, to Google it or whatever. And <laughs> some things you got to look at, there's times people don't research when they should. But sometimes it's getting the terminology right because if you're trying to Google something and you don't understand that concept, it's going to be hard sometimes to use the right terms and keywords to find that information. So I think it's kind of important to be patient with the people you mentor. Absolutely. Because
2: Absolutely. everybody learns at their own pace. Everybody com- gets comfortable with things at their own pace. And so, yeah, I would definitely agree. That's exa- extremely important.
0: Because you, you don't
1: want long- to go too far. Yeah. And even along with the uh, just being patient with them, sometimes people just, uh, you know, some people get things quicker like yourself and some people are just easier to deal with. Some people, you just have to be uh, a little gentler in your approach and stuff. So everyone's kind of, kind of different. And I think, you know, kind of making that connection at first is really important. Right. Absolutely. And so one of the things you kind of touched on earlier too, that I thought was important that kind of plays into you know, mentoring moments as as you were talking about failures and and yeah. how to teach people to deal with that. And so, once you kind of go into that, what rehash what we had discussed.
2: Yeah, I I think it's funny because I feel like it's so relevant in everyone's life, right? It's not. Failure is not something that just doesn't happen to people, whether you're, you know, the most successful person in the world, whoever you define that, or whether you're just getting started in the industry. I think one of the biggest things to understand is that there truly is no such thing as failure unless you give up. Um, and one of the big things that I was talking about before we started was um, how I was um, i was fired um, from my first job. Um, and it was funny because at the time I thought it was the end of the world, right? I was a I was an army infantryman, no experience in cybersecurity whatsoever. I was doing this test engineering job where I had to automate automate like system level tasks to conduct quality assurance tests and stuff like that. And it was it was super out of my league, by the way. Uh, um, but no, it was a difficult task. But from besides the job responsibilities i had a three-hour commute a day Uh, i was probably working 50 or i'm 60 to 65 hours a week uh they'd call us in on weekends uh it was it was it was it was terrible for my work-life balance um i was i was doing terrible in school i almost wanted to drop out um life was just not going my way um and then when i got fired it was like the ultimate breaking point for me, I guess it was like, man, I failed. Um, and I don't deal with failure very well, but I failed. I thought it was, you know, the end of the world. Um, and looking back at it now is what I think is important. I think it's important for everybody who listens to this is to look back on all of the things that we've failed at as human beings and understand where it's brought us to in life now. um, Since being fired from my first job, um, I've taken a huge pay raise. I've gotten a extremely incredible work-life balance. Um, My company just recently started Summer Fridays where if you don't wanna work on Friday, you could take the day off. Um, Throughout the week, if you wanted to use eight hours of the week, and this is on top of the Summer Friday, Eight hours a week dedicated solely for self-improvement. My company pays for my Wi-Fi, my cell phone bill, my gym expenses. Um, It's ridiculous. Um, But I think one of the big things that I, I need to or that I'm preaching is, is that you never know what's on the other side of failure. But the only way to find out is to keep going. Um, and that's, I think the most important thing is, is that it's okay to be upset and it's okay to be sad by all means, but you can't stay there very long because at the end of that failure, there's a lesson to be learned. And whether it's, you know, Philip and I are both powerlifters, whether it's a failed personal record attempt, uh, maybe you bombed out of a competition, um, whatever it may be. Um, I think the biggest thing to learn is, is that the next time you go through it, it's not your first time. It's you have experience in this field now, um, and so no, I've never been fired <laughs> since my first job. Um, but I I would actually view it more as an an absolute blessing. Um, my life completely turned one eighty uh, after leaving that role. Um, and yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and talk bad about anybody. There's no reason to do that, but. I would definitely say it's an absolute blessing that sometimes you have to go through failures you have to you have to go through those life experiences that make you feel like there's no way out because the only way out is better right because if you're at that point where this this is rough this is hard um you know my career is hard you know i can't pass this certificate I can't get past this class or whatever. Just realize that you're still gaining very valuable experience, and it's making you a stronger person at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, and, and mentioning all that too, you know, for anyone that's ever worked in IT or something, if you if you tried, if you've installed a server and everything goes perfect yep. every time, yeah. and then you install something it goes wrong, then you've got to figure out how to work. So that failure there, you're learning how to troubleshoot. So. Yep. Absolutely. Kind of like what you're, you know, mentioning is you just learn from those mistakes, make a lesson. Everything should be a lesson. No matter how negative it is, you should be able to get something positive out of that.
2: Absolutely.
1: It's a very cool. So as far as, you know, a lot of people join the show that listen to this, because one of the main focuses is for people that are trying to get into the industry. So, uh, you know, you've been in for a while and, you know, you've kind of shared that you had some difficult times. So, what would be your approach if someone's wanting to get into uh, cybersecurity? What would be your recommendations on getting into the field and maybe even like passive education and that sort of thing?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are going to say networking. and I, I, I feel like that's a pretty generic answer. And obviously, I'd recommend that 100%. Um, I kind of harped on the first thing that I would recommend, which is everybody is going to deal with it you're going to you're going to apply to 500 plus jobs you're going to hear back from maybe two of them you might have three or four interviews of applying to 500 jobs learn that that is not a failure learn that there's always room for improvement you can continue to tailor your your resume you can continue to you know improve you can take every interview you got even if it's not the prettiest role if it's not the the, the dream job you're looking for, nobody's first job is their dream job. I thought my first job was my dream job and I was extremely wrong. Um, but nobody's first job is their dream job. Um, but always take every interview you get. Even if you have a job right now and, and somebody hits you up, if it seems slightly interesting, hear them out. Just do an interview. Why? Because in your career, if you haven't done an interview, if you've stayed at a company three to seven years per se it's probably been about three to seven years you haven't done an interview and it's not a very easy skill if you don't do it very often um so that's one of the big things is understanding that you're not going to get a response to every single job application you're not going to do well in every single interview but learn to understand that that's okay and everybody else in the industry has gone through it too i'm sure philip has i promise you i have and it's going to happen people are going to ignore you recruiters will just stop talking to you even after they call you the first time it happens it's life everyone's a person so that would be my first recommendation on getting into it is is understanding that you will be ghosted you will be ignored and it's not the end of the world and you need to keep going because once you get that first look your life will change and, and honestly, it's been it's I, I've walked that walk. It, it it's great. I've held out and it's been awesome. Um yeah, my second my second recommendation would definitely be, obviously like I was saying earlier, is networking. Um I think that's extremely important. You know, being involved in the community. Um I probably wouldn't I mean I kind of don't really use it anymore. Um, but I probably wouldn't have had a Twitter if Philip didn't tell me to get a Twitter. Cause then I can meet people, which I did. I met plenty of people and now we just talk on LinkedIn, um, you know, looking out for cyber meetups or infosec meetups. Um, if I wasn't super big into meetups, I wouldn't be my call. I wouldn't be the Colorado Springs OWASP chapter lead right now, which I am. Uh, um, it's really important to get into networking, meeting people. Cause nine times out of 10 your first job might probably be because you knew somebody. Not, I wouldn't say every single job you're going to get because you knew somebody. I would say of the jobs, 90% of the ones I got cause, was because I knew somebody. Um, so networking is extremely incredible. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say those are probably the two things that I would highly recommend. Uh, and then my subcategory that I would recommend uh, is, is is really being passionate about this. Um, it's hard and in cybersecurity or information security changes every single day. I think one of the big problems that a lot of people get choked up on is, is trying to figure out their dream path to their dream job. And I think it's a very valuable thing to understand that you can gain experience from anything in, in specific in, or in, in a lot of different roles um and you know people at least when i was uh getting started everybody with no experience whatsoever were like i want to be a pen tester or, i want to do you know digital forensics incident response or i want to do you know uh well i kind of pretty much said it already everybody wants to be a pen tester um your first job might not be a pen tester and that's okay um <laughs> but understanding that There are roles out there that you will fit, that you will be great in, and then eventually you will gain the experience to be a really awesome pen tester. And that'll come down the road. But you should enjoy the moment versus worrying about the future. Enjoy every opportunity that comes your way. Enjoy what you're doing right now, whether you're a system administrator, whether you're a cloud architect and you want to get into like – cloud penetration testing or whatever the whatever the path is for you um i think you should take value in all the experiences that you have
1: great, great advice there you're wise beyond your years and that's, <laughs> that's <a> everyone get- <laughs> listen this is a person that has paid attention to their experiences as you as you kind of mentioned learn from you know failures and that kind of thing and you know those are valuable lessons to learn instead of you know of course it's fine to whine about you and do something or right. take a little bit of time to do that, but move on, like you said, and, and learn from it.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting down towards the end of the show. Is there any advice or anything you'd like to share that we didn't cover?
2: Um, I'm extremely reachable. Uh, if you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, please do. Um, I, I love helping others. Um, I love being a resource to people. Just please do me a favor. And if you do connect with me on LinkedIn, um, add a message, not in like an arrogant way, but I'm sure Philip does too, but there's a lot of spam and recruiter spam and sales spam in my inboxes and I just miss things and it's just, I'm human. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, but now if, if you genuinely want to reach out, if you know, you don't even have to be a veteran. I want to help everybody. I want everybody to win at the end of the day. Um, one of the, uh, one of the best pieces of advice I've ever been given was these companies have money and you should take it. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm very for everybody changing their careers. Why? Because at the end of the day, a lot of people change careers because they see the lifestyle change that they want to be a part of. Yes. I'll be brutally honest. Not everybody that is in cybersecurity is super passionate about cybersecurity. What are they passionate about? Well, tech has a lot of money and it and it's true. And you shouldn't shy away from that. That is a very realistic thing. Understanding your value is very important. Um, don't go in there and don't negotiate your, your, your offers. You know, don't do that. Negotiate your offers, understand your wealth, throw out some, throw out some, some numbers that you're kind of interested in. I wouldn't be making what I made if I didn't throw a ridiculous number in my first, in my job offer currently. And I was, I was, I was pretty shocked by it that it was even obtainable. Um, so you never know what's out there, but I want to be a communication means if you guys ever need any help, any resources I'm available, um, I I'm available to help write your resume. I'm available to help with your interview preparation. I want to be available to help negotiate your job offers, anything like that. Like I said, these companies have millions and millions of dollars. And if they need you, they're willing to pay for you if you want to do that job.
1: Great advice. And one of the things too Uh, As Mark was mentioning, if you if you connect with him on LinkedIn, you know, put a message in there. I agree with that. But also let him know how you you found him. If you found him through the podcast, because it's always good. Anytime you're on a podcast, uh, always enjoy when someone lets me know I found you through this method. So that way he you know he kind of know what value he's bringing from this. I'm sure it's going to be valuable and help some folks. But it's always good to get that feedback. In a lot of cases, too, some people may not accept. LinkedIn request, if you don't put some message in there, they want to know something. If you're sending a message, don't just put, hi, Mark. Yeah. but You know, give a full message because a lot of times that's someone's trying to, you know, scam you or someone's trying to sell you something or whatever. So make sure you're you're putting that message in there and let him know how you found him and, you know, let us know what you thought of this podcast and I'm sure it's going to be well received. I mean, Mark's a great person and, you know, just kind of follow his advice and and you'll succeed too. But that's just one of the things I've seen throughout all the people I've mentored and all the people I've seen in the industry is if you put in the hard work and you're persistent and passionate, it's going to pay off. You'll eventually get there. Sometimes it seems impossible that you're never going to break in, but if you stick with it, you will. And just like March said, you know, send out a bunch of apply for a bunch of jobs. One of the ways to look at that is, is don't just look at I sell these resumes. Just think that you may be one resume or application application away from landing your dream job. Absolutely. Maybe you settled the job like Mark experienced the first, maybe that's what you land. But if you would have applied yeah. for one or two more places, you might've ended up with that job instead. That last application
2: might be yep. that same job.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I coming from
2: working in the space force to where I am now, it started with me sending, a, um, when, when the world went remote, um, I wouldn't be where I am today if my buddy wasn't like, Hey, so funny story. Um, Facebook had an outage, like, I think it was in like November or or December, one of those winter months. And it was like a big deal. I think it was like for like a day or two, uh, and nobody could use Facebook's like auth service and it was terrible. Um, and so. When a, server, when, a, when a service outage like that happens, the first thing I think of is like, they probably need employees. So funny enough, um, what started kind of me just randomly applying to a bunch of jobs, getting me to where I am today, was I just blindly applied to Facebook. Um, and I thought it, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I thought I was gonna get ghosted, whatever. Two weeks later, I get an interview request from a recruiter at Facebook. And that kind of lit that fire because I was like, if, if I thought this was going to go nowhere and it went somewhere, there's hope. And then from there, I interviewed. What is it? I remember I was telling you about this because I was shocked too the entire time. I went from like Facebook to like Rapid Seven, then to like Google, then to like TikTok, and then to like and all these other companies. It just kept coming and coming and coming. And of course, I failed some of those and I didn't do very well in a couple of them. But what did I what did I learn from that experience? It was you know I understand. I, Facebook and Google were my very first coding interviews that I've ever done. And that was a train wreck. But you know what I learned from it? I learned what I to expect. You know, I, I need to work on. I need. I know what I need to work on.
1: Yeah. And the good thing about, like you mentioned, you know, going through the interviews, <clears throat> sometimes people can share experiences with you, but sometimes there's just things you miss by not experiencing it yourself. Yeah. And once you get in there, something that's easy for someone else may be difficult for you and, and vice versa. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for, for joining the show, Mark. I'm sure that folks are going to get a lot of good out of this podcast. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day, <laughs> which is not a surprise as you help with all the people you do. Uh, I appreciate you doing this. This podcast you know, reaches a pretty decent sized audience. So uh, people that you may not otherwise connected with, we'll, we'll know about you now and your story. <laughs> uh,
2: it's, it's been an absolute honor. And I am
1: really thankful that you reached out to me. I appreciate it. Seriously. Yeah. I appreciate you. I'm so, never too busy for you. So I'll clear my you. calendar. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks everyone for joining. We'll see you on the next episode.
0: Buck crowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory podcast with Philip Wiley.